Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Now, the Chorus Radio Network presents The Roy Green Show with Roy Green. Keeping you informed and entertained. Now, here's Roy. The uh, jury in the James Marcillo murder trial is still deliberating. And uh, if they do come down with a verdict before the end of this program, uh, before the end of this hour, we will be speaking about that, of course, and we will, in uh, before the end of this half hour, be speaking with David Butt, former Crown Attorney, criminal lawyer in Toronto now, about the goings-on so far. On November the 14th of last year, I spoke with... Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day retired um, on this program, former commanding officer of Canada's elite counterterrorism special forces unit, JTF2. And we talked about the uh, prime minister's determination to remove the CF-18s from the coalition attacks on ISIS. And Colonel Day told us that if that were to happen, that Canada might be considered to be somewhat unreliable by its allies and partners in the coalition, and there could be consequences for that sense of less than complete reliability. And Colonel Day is back on the program with us. Colonel Day, thank you very much for taking the time. And it happened, didn't it? Uh, yes, Roy, it did. And uh, that's just the consequence of, uh, of decisions. And um, I understand that when people make uh, hard decisions, that maybe they don't always understand some of the consequences downstream of those decisions. And uh, what happened was in Paris, the, f- the defense minister, not foreign ministers, the defense ministers, of the coalition met to uh, to discuss their their activities and actions, and Canada was pointedly not included. Australia was one of the countries that was, and coincidentally, Australia I think has exactly the same number of fighter planes involved in the coalition, six of them. So the message is sent, regardless of the fact that the British for uh, defense minister almost said it again. The British defense minister said, "Oh no, we're not trying to send a message to Canada." Clearly, they were. Well, again, whether they're trying to directly send a message to, to Canada, the government of Canada, what what is clear is this is this is uh, probably the, the, the planning for the next phase of the campaign, and uh, the only people who get to sit around the, those participants in the next phase of the campaign. And um, I, I've got to tell you, over my career, and certainly from 2001 onwards up until today, Canada was always invited to the big table because Canada carried. Uh, it's certainly its fair share of weight through the Afghan conflict and even Libya. So here we are now um, in another uh, you know quagmire in the Middle East, and yeah, we are being excluded from that conversation. And I got to tell you, it's it's hard to uh, to hear that when you got Canadian uh, men and women on the ground and in the air right now, not uh, not having a voice at that table. Well, I meant to ask you about that. What is the impact on the men and the women on the ground? And uh, the pilots of those CF-18, not just the CF-18s, but we have support aircraft as well. What's the impact? What does it do to the 
the, the first of all, the presence of the Canadians on the ground in the coalition, and what does it do to their own sense of participation in this whole mission? Well, um, you know, as a as a former military member deployed, and as you walked around the various bases, or you did what you needed when you were out in the in the battle space, so to speak. Um, there were certain nations that were, were viewed to be doing, like I said, doing the heavy lifting and therefore were respected. And um, when you have made a decision as, as a national government that you're going to not do certain things, not going to share certain risks going forward, well, then that individual soldier, sailor, airman, airwoman that's out there in the battle space, it's not that they get shunned because that's too strong a word, but certain inf- information just does not get released to them. It's just, it's just a fact of life in coalition operations. The only folks get all the best intelligence are those that are burden sharing and carrying all the risk so arguably this could be detrimental to the safety of our men and women well it's potentially it's, i wouldn't yeah and I, I wouldn't say it's arguably a point in fact is you you don't get access to the same information when you're not sharing the risks it's it's that simple so i've i've been in meetings in the past where we have all the coalition partners around the table um, there's a bunch of nice things said, a bunch of, bunch of good platitudes, and then when you get down to real business, certain nations are asked to leave the room. Oh, wow. It's just that simple. And so we are seeing this now for, for Canada for the first time in a long time that we're not being invited to the big table. So if we watch what's going on and we listen to the defense minister say, oh, it's no big deal, there are all sorts of meetings and I get invited to a lot of meetings, then the prime minister hasn't delivered a, at least as far as I can discern, a coherent argument for removing the CF-18s. He's not on any schedule that any of us understand. He seems to be casting around for the right moment, Colonel Day. Clearly it's not now, particularly with six Canadian citizens murdered by Al-Qaeda in Burkina Faso, West Africa, with a wife of one of those Canadians saying publicly she's ashamed of her prime minister for his decision to withdraw the CF-18s from the coalition battle with ISIS. Pressure is on the prime minister to change his mind. Right. I think the pressure is on the government of Canada writ large. And, and this is not to say that as they weigh the various options available to them, that there, there could very well be another option that the Allies uh, value just as much as the CF-18s. But uh, it kind of goes back to your point you made off the, off the top there, that last comment. There's been a lack of coherence in the message, and it has not been articulated what it is the government of Canada wishes us to do with our, with our coalition partners. So if, it's, if there's confusion down into Canada, you can well imagine how the coalition partners are going, what is the plan? What, you know, if, there's no, if there's no coherence in the message, there's no way that people will rely on you as a, as a key ally. It's that simple. Colonel Day, the question that I, I find myself asking myself when I think about this story is or this, these, these developments, when the new Prime Minister of Canada says, um, we're not going to use the CF-18s in this, this coalition attack on ISIS. We believe that they need to be attacked. We want to participate in other ways. I ask myself, if you're not going to use the CF-18s, the, the, the pointy end of the air spear, as it were, uh, in this battle, what are you going to use them for? What, what, under what circumstances would those aircraft then be deemed necessary i I can't imagine what he'd use them for then well clearly the cf-18 is being used in an offensive role right now but when you look at the um you know the the primacy of the canadian forces is the defense and security of canada the 
major mission for the Canadian Forces is the defense of North America in concert with the United States. The third mission is anything offshore, i.e. internationally, that we that the government of the day de- de- decides to deploy those those platforms against. So the reality is those platforms can be brought home, the CF-18s and all the other, uh, other uh, apparatus that are offshore, and used for their primary mission. And we must never lose sight of that. The primary mission of the, Can- the, the government of Canada is the safety and security of Canadians. The primary mission of the Canadian forces is the defense and security of Canada, first and foremost. So there is an argument to be made. Sure, we're not using them in its offensive capacity um, uh, you know, in, uh, in Syria and Iraq, but you can still bring those home and they will be flying all the normal combat air patrols and things in support of NORAD, for example. Yeah. No, I should have said, I'm sorry, I, I should have said, you know, for offensive capabilities. Under what, what circumstances would you feel that they could be used for an offensive uh, reality outside of the, uh, the North American responsibilities? Um, what happens going forward? We're, we're removed from the, uh, from the meeting in Paris. Clearly the message has been sent. Um, what do you see developing here, Colonel Day? Well, I think, like I said, the, the government of Canada continues to examine its, op- its options, right? They, clearly, the CF-18s have not been brought home yet, so I right. think they realize that uh, it is a valued platform, albeit it's a six-pack over there doing, doing, doing a, a slice of the missions. And I think the government of Canada is trying to ascertain if we're going to pull out those platforms, I say if, even if they said they will, we all know the political winds can shift. If we're going to pull them out, what are we going to replace them with? What are we going to augment or what are we going to do differently to regain the, the uh, trust of our allies? So I know across Ottawa there's a number of uh, options being fielded as they're trying to figure out what can we do to make sure that the government of Canada maintains an election promise, and that's just the politics. That's just the way it is what it is. But the question is that they want to maintain that election promise what else can we do that our allies value? And there's a number of things we could do. We could get that special operations task force truly on the offensive and get out there and, and again, start targeting the, the financiers, the, the logisticians, and then the leadership nodes and, and really get on the ground and get going. That is something that would be valued. Yeah, I certainly hear you saying in a way that we should never be in the position of having to try to regain the confidence of our allies. We shouldn't lose that in the first place. Absolutely. And this is what I think is, I think this is the problem with this operating the gray zone between peace and and total war. If you look at our national security construct, it was built in the 20th century to defeat a state-on-state adversary such as as the former Soviet Union in a Cold War construct. We have had significant challenges in the 2000s adapting and shifting to the new paradigm, which is low-intensity conflict, non-state actors, and the national security apparatus and how it deals with these issues. And it's very difficult. And so this is just another example of a new government trying to work its way through the, the gray zone between peace and, and total war. And it, it's not easy. This is, this is PhD-level conflict. And we need a whole-of-government, whole-of-coalition effort to defeat, to defeat ISIS and whatever's going to be the son of ISIS after we crush that, that ideology or that, that organism. Colonel Day, always good talking to you. Thank you for taking the time. Much appreciated. No problem. Have a good, uh, good Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. Colonel, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Steve Day, former commanding officer of uh, JTF2. So Canada not invited to the meeting in Paris. Interesting, huh, to hear? I didn't know that. And then in meetings, if, if you're not considered to be a complete partner, uh, they suddenly say, well, you guys now leave. We're going to keep, continue without you. When we come back, David Butt, former Crown Attorney, criminal lawyer in Toronto, on the James Forsillo murder trial where we stand as uh, as the country waits for the jury to come back and deliver its verdict. Stay with us.